Welcome to the podcast, Love, Transform, Restore. This is your host, Charles Prince. I stand before the crowd, listening for my name. They shall be crucified, this man is who to blame. Knowing what I deserve, they free me from my chains. I turn to see his wretched face. I did not know it was his grace. It's you free me from the chains. It's you took away my pain. And now I call. Savior died, I was lost in sin. My soul was doomed to die, I feared the world would win. I was deserving of the cross, I was ashamed. It was this man who took my place. He had no sin, it was his grace. Thank you all again for tuning in to this podcast. This is our season finale for season two. And we're going to be concluding as what we were talking about the the last two previous podcasts in our relationship with Jesus. And as we looked at our relationship towards Jesus, as far as commands are concerned, this previous podcast on Tuesday, today's podcast, we're going to be focusing on our relationship with Jesus towards one another, our relationship with Jesus towards one another. Very important topic, I believe, that we need to keep in mind, especially in the day and age that we live in. And this podcast, I might get a little more personal, might be a little more emotional than I usually am, because this is a topic that I really, really wish our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ can understand and realize the importance of the love we are to have for one another. And what we're going to be doing, I usually try to do my verses so that start off from the beginning and go go towards the back of the Bible, but we're going to be a little um, all over the place today because we're going to start off with a passage of scripture that I strongly believe is appropriate to start this off as we look at our relationship with Jesus towards one another. And 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, look at verses 7 to 21. 
This is a very lengthy read, but it's very relevant and it's needed for what we will be discussing today. 1 John 4, 7 the 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love for love is a is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not I'm sorry, I, let me start over from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we are we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the, Lord, the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for, day, for the day of judgment, because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is a very important passage because so often in the church, it is so easy to not love one another. And I'm going to be using examples here, and this is not in any me any way to try to make anyone look bad i'm not going to use names and whatnot but this isn't something that i take very close to heart and something that really makes me think a lot especially when i think about my past experiences in the church and i my relationships with my brothers and sisters in christ i have seen congregations where a single mom will come in and be a single mom and in some cases some of the single mothers in the congregation they they the assumption is that these they had these children out of wedlock but some that i know um these are children they had that came from divorce but no one cares to even talk to them or try to see about their background they just assume that this person has done this and so they get treated very differently and the thing that really bothers me is even if these moms had children out of wedlock, how are they to be treated any different? If they want to become part of the body of Christ, then we have a responsibility to show them that same love we would to a family that is married and has children or don't have children or just married, whichever the thing is. And a lot of times we have these prejudices about what and who or what kind of members we want in our congregation. Sometimes it's not blatant, Sometimes it's so blatant that it sickens you to your stomach. 
And I have seen this so many times throughout my ministry. And it really angers me because there is a time when we must say, are we truly loving our brothers and our sisters as God called us to be? And I find it interesting that verse 20 says, I, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So if we can pick and choose which members or which people we want to be in our membership and just completely disregard the actions of an individual or a family just because they don't fit what in some of our minds might think is the perfect family, then we don't have the love of God within us. And I just don't want to use that as an example, but that's one example that comes to mind because I have encountered so many issues of families that are trying to find a congregation to call home, want a congregation to take their children, take them in as their own, and they feel so left out that they leave. And then what bothers me is some of these congregations don't even understand why they left in the first place. And some of those are the congregations that are going to die. And that's really sad. It's really horrible because this just shows Want, this is one of many signs that show that not all who call themselves Christian truly are Christ-like. Not everyone who says they love God truly loves God. Because if they truly love God, they would love that brother or that sister despite their background. Now, there's a difference in my opinion. If someone has an issue with... Uh, sin in the past and you want to prevent a temptation of that sin or or something that might be of a bother of their conscience within reason, then that's one thing. But to just say, oh, that you had a yeah, you know, you had this happen to you. So I don't want nothing to do with you. Won't say it, but you'll act like it. I've met many members who feel so out of place, who felt like they didn't belong because we have accepted who we wanted to accept in our cliques. We don't want to accept anyone new in our cliques unless we deem them worthy. And my friend, we need to stop treating the church like a country club and treat it like it is the church of Jesus Christ. Because when we start treating it like a country club and start accepting certain people and not certain people just because they don't fit the bill of who we want them to be, we no longer cease to be the church of Christ. We cease to be the church of self, the church of self-righteousness, the church of greed. We do not we do not have any right to have Christ in our name if that's how we treat one another. If we can't even allow others to see the true gospel of Christ, the true grace of God working within us if we're so busy picking who we want to be in our membership. And I'll use an example. I find it interesting that some don't even see members or don't care about members and only see them as a number. I have a friend not long ago who recently had started attending another congregation. And what's intriguing is I know this congregation. They never or barely have ever spoke to her. I mean, they'll speak to her out of this, you know, some quick conversation and whatnot. But as far as getting to know her and her family, 
didn't really seem to care about it. Didn't really seem to care to visit her beforehand. Didn't really care to to contact her, which um, some of the there are some members that did contact her and did keep on a daily or checked when um, when they wanted to check up on on her. So that's not to say that this isn't for everyone there. There are, were some members that actually did do their job. But what I find intriguing is no one didn't even care to want to visit with her until she no longer was visiting. And, or not visiting, but, well, I say visiting because even though she was a member there, she felt like a visitor there. And I have heard this story over and over and over and over again. And it saddens me because she felt out of place. I've met other members that... Um, another friend of mine, I could think of what the times he's told me that he felt like he did not fit in. He felt like he was an outcast. What kind of example are we setting to our children that we can say some are outcasts and that we have the right to say this person belongs with us and this person doesn't when none of us are worthy to be even called sons of God. It is through the blood of Christ. It is through obedience to his will. It is through the grace of God to why we even have just the opportunity to be in Christ. Nothing of our own volition other than our obedience. But even with that, we wouldn't even have the opportunity to obey God, to be in Christ, if it would not been for the grace extended for us to even allow that in the first place. So I know I talk quite a bit, and again, this is going to be getting a little personal for me, as you could tell. <laughs> but I, it just really maddens me and, and saddens me greatly that there are people and members who can fall away and will never get hear, heard from again, or majority of the congregation don't even care that they left, won't even contact. It really saddens and breaks my heart because there's a lot that we're going to have to answer on the day of judgment. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, as we continue on, we're going to be looking at verses 34 and 35. Acts 10, 34 and 35. Peter meets Cornelius here. We're not going to read the entirety of this entire passage about the Gentiles and how they would receive the good news and the Holy Spirit. Um, the flame of the Holy Spirit sitting on top of them. And we're not going to get into all that. I want to focus mainly on verses 34 and 35 of Acts chapter 10. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter came to the realization that God shows no partiality, that God truly is one that will look beyond what a person's heritage is and see how they obey God. And that is amazing for Peter to come to that realization. And we know he would still have issues. I mean, we discussed uh, not long ago, I believe, in Galatians chapter 2, and looking at how Peter, you know, uh, had to be withstood to the face by Paul because of his actions of Gentile brethren when his Jewish brethren had came in and trying to pretend that oh, I have nothing to do with them and whatnot. So, we see that we're going to be human and whatnot. And Peter, even though he makes a statement, he's still going to be human. However, we must realize that he makes a very important statement here. Truly, I understand, verse 34, that God shows no partiality. 
God does not show partiality. And I want to tie that in to Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, I want to look at verses 11 through 16. And now I'm going to tie this in to Acts 10, 34, and 35. But right now, look at Romans 2, 11 through 16. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their afflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secret secrets of men by Jesus by Christ Jesus and a lot of things mentioned here but the premise is getting at here is that God will judge all based on his law and not and on nothing else and that's a very important thing and this is something that's been on my mind quite a bit especially looking at um situation that took place um a couple months ago of uh Ahmad Aubrey, um, individual down in South Georgia who was gunned down by um, father and son who went after him and thinking that he was the burglar. And hearing that story really saddens me, but the thing that really saddens me even more is I think about the fact that you know, this world doesn't having you know they show partiality all the time you know i was telling my wife the other day that i um i have to be when i was younger i used to love running i used to love jogging and that's the reason why this hits home for me a lot is when i was younger i have to be careful which neighborhoods i go through because i've had cops called on me just from running through a neighborhood i wasn't looking at anyone's houses i train myself not to look into a person's yard for more than three seconds because I know if I do, I'm going to be deemed suspicious. Um, I've had cops call on me a couple times. Uh, none of them replied or came out. I think many of the calls, you know, a lot of the sheriff's department and stuff really didn't think it was that serious, you know, thinking that it was actually kind of dumb. So really thankful the sheriff's department never responded. But yeah, I've heard them. I've heard the phone calls and people... They're loud in the yard and saying that, you know, they see a black man running past their house and they thinking that I'm casing the neighborhood, even though it's my first time going down that road. And of, I can think of other stories, too, that I'm not going to load this podcast with stories, but it's the reason why this topic really, really is personal to me, because I mention in sermons a lot, I am so glad that the God we serve is not man. I am so glad that the God we serve is God. He's God Almighty. He is not, he does not think like we do. And I am so thankful that he doesn't. Because the fact that he gives us the perfect example of how we should treat one another, we should ought to treat all men 
as if we love God and we do because that how we show that we love God and not just the trading of our brothers and sisters in Christ but how can the world know that we are in Christ if we don't even have that same love within us I want to speak to the church for a minute so often um it's difficult at times to talk about these topics and these subjects because sometimes, especially for me, I get the sense, um, I get the fear. Do I, if I talk about it, is uh, people going to label me as something or try to say that I'm uh, um, someone who's trying to cause trouble or stir the pot? And I assure you, I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm not trying to cause trouble. But... As a fellow brother in Christ, if I have something that's affected me, especially within the church, I have a responsibility to talk about it. And even though that whole thing about in some of the a lot of the incidents I had were outside of the church, I've had some inside the church as well. I've been denied jobs as a preacher because I'm in a mixed relationship with my wife. And these are not places that you know, they were, they said no to my resume, my application, and I'm playing the guessing game of what um, or why they didn't accept me. These are places that flat out told me that is the reason they did not hire me. And they said it more politely and saying they don't want to set an example for their younger ladies in the congregation and whatnot. And it, but it happens partiality still occurs and it's not just with race but it's with social background as far as economically too i know so many people because i will say this race is still a big issue in the church but i'm going i'm going to say that i think that it's another issue that's big too is prejudice on background i know of people that don't make a dime or or some that barely can feed themselves and their families and instead of the church stepping up to help the first thing they accused them of is being lazy now don't get me wrong i'm not saying that we create a culture in which a person is solely dependent on the church that's not what i'm getting at but i find it interesting that we're so quick to judge and we don't even know a person's situation or their background into why they're in that in the first place so we cannot show partiality we love one another. We grow with one another. And can you imagine that father and son that shot, that chased down and shot Ahmed Arbery? I pity them because it's evident that they do not know the love of God. They do not know the love of Christ. Because if they did, they would not have taken his life. They would have realized that, you know, maybe we can think this through. I am not in their minds. I can't say what their motivation is. But all I do know is that partiality was definitely has played a role. And I... And which I, I'm, a, I'm just going to have to brag real quick, you know. I appreciate so much the Lyman Church of Christ. 
this congregation has been so tremendous and not only in wanting me as their preacher and my wife as their preacher's wife, but they wanted to, they are open to hearing about my experiences and hearing about what I've gone through. I I honestly can't think of a more blessed, <laughs> I, I don't think I've been blessed more than I have in my entire life being blessed with this congregation. Nowhere else that I have preached that have I felt comfortable in being able to be this open. And this is not to speak bad of other places, but Lyman has gone above and beyond any congregation. And I'm so thankful for that because I honestly feel like that I can speak openly. I can talk about the things. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to make this all about my experiences because I know of people who are not a minority and they suffer prejudice within the church. I know of single fathers who are white who suffer prejudice within the church. I know single moms who are white that suffer prejudice in the church. I know of families. It could be a white mother, a white wife and a white husband who suffer prejudice in the church because their background don't fit the bill of what the rest of the congregation is. You get them. I've been to congregations where you can tell everyone's rich and everyone has a lot of money. And you see a couple come in, they don't look dirt poor, but they certainly don't look like they can afford all of the stuff that these people can. And they were visiting because we talked. The sad thing is, I was the only one that was talking to them. No one else even said anything to them except for the preacher. My friends, how can we say we are in Jesus Christ? When we can't even treat each other right. We can't. We cannot. Turn with me to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. And look at verses 12 through 19. 1 Peter 1. 12 through 19. It was revealed to them that they were serving. Not themselves but you. And the things that have been announced. That have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels look into, long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and sober, being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We're called to be holy because God is holy. Not just in the father and the son that went after Ahmed, but also the individuals that I've met 
who had suffered at the hands of being treated impartially, or treated partially rather, and unfairly, I pray for you, but I also pray for those that did those things too. I pray for them. Because how can you live a life and say fully that you love Jesus? Sunday after Sunday, we sing songs giving praise to Jesus Christ, to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. We give praises. But as soon as someone who does not either look like us or resemble our lifestyle, soon as that comes up, and this is not true of everyone, I've met many wonderful brothers and sisters that don't think and act that way, and I'm thankful to God they don't, but we still have a good amount of people that do. And I call on them to repent, to change, because I despise that kind of thinking and attitude. But do you know what makes me do, but you know what makes me more, the, what makes me feel more heated? I'm more heated at the fact that if one does not change their ways, that I will not see them in heaven. And that breaks my heart more than anything. I want you to turn fully to God and realize that as a child of God, the relationship I have with one another regardless of whether they look like me or they have the same stuff as me should not play a role because I see Christ in them just as I should see Christ within me. And I want to point and I want to talk about something else in relation to this too. Let's say, okay, I don't have a problem with racing. I don't have a problem with the economic, social standing. I'm fine with all that. Well, what about the brother or sister in Christ you have a grudge with? That might, or things might have ended sour with. Do you pray for them? My friends, let me tell you something. You want to do something that will humble you to your very core? Pray for those people that have done you wrong. My friends, I have been praying for the past eight months, trying to pray for certain people that has done me wrong and has just made me so angry and so resentful. And it eats away at you. But praying for them, oh man, that will humble you so much. But it does the soul so good because if you pray for those that wrong you, you realize that even though you are not approving of their actions, you still love them. You still love them. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, you know, I really love them. But the fact that if you are able to pull yourself to pray for them, then that shows that you do still love them. And that we should pray for them often. And I know some that have been in situations in which um, the fights that have occurred were not even fights worth having over. 
fights over the carpet, fights over, you know, the color of the carpet of the building, if whether we should have pews or chairs of PowerPoint, no PowerPoint, if we should have a PA system, no PA system. I've heard of almost every fight in the book. Not all of these happen or I've seen personally, but I've heard stories. And just to think, we can't have enough love for one another that we can't just simply say, you know what? I don't, I may not agree with it, but for the sake of us still being brethren and still showing that love of Christ, I will not make a big deal about this. You know, that's a humbling thing to say. Because we as humans, we love to have it our way or no way. So remember, and as we just discussed a while back in First Peter chapter 1, 12 through 19, we're called upon to be holy like God is holy. And if we're called upon to be holy, that includes in us and our love for God. And how do, and it's interesting that scripture tells us that the way we tell the world about our love for God is our love for one another. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. I know I got a little personal with this and I strive to try not to be personal in, in these podcasts, but there's just a lot of work we need to do when it comes to the partial, the partiality attitude that some of our brethren have. We need to fix it. The world, yes, needs to fix it, but there's one place that that should not be found and that is in the church. But as... I've said before, the church is filled with humans, so we're going to mess up. And I pray for those that still have partiality issues. Now, don't get me wrong. I know of some brethren who have said that they have an issue with maybe a certain group or a certain ethnic group, but they said they are working on it. Those individuals, I absolutely love because... Yeah, they are going to mess up. They're going to fail. But the fact that they are saying that they want to get better. They want to love their brothers and sisters better regardless of where they are or where they come from or where they are at socially. That just warms my heart because that means that they want to do better. And I... You have to be, you know, we have to be careful with ourselves because we might say to ourselves, you know, this family, they look like they have money. They have wealth. We want them in our congregation. Now they will be great for our contribution. And don't get me wrong. That family that's wealthy, they need Christ. But let's not neglect the person who cannot even live in a hotel. Cannot even afford a hotel. Let's not forget that they also are in need of the gospel of Christ just as much. So again, I try not to be too personal, but this was, I think it called for it because there's just a lot of stuff happening in our world that just hits home to me, especially in this topic. And I pray for the church worldwide that we would grow, that we would show that love we have one another and let the world know that there truly is something different about the Lord's church. Again, this is our season finale, so I'll be taking a two-week breather. So no podcast for the next two weeks, but thank you all for tuning in to this podcast, uh, our final one. And this is 
very special season because most of the season we've uh, many states have been in shelter in place with the COVID-19 pandemic. So you all please continue to keep yourself safe, practice all the guidelines as far as keeping yourself safe and keeping others safe. You all have a good rest of your um, Friday of what's left of it. Have a good weekend and uh, everyone prayed that um, regardless of what you're doing on Sunday, that, you know, whether it's streaming in person or driving in the parking lot, everyone have a good worship service of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And just so thankful to God that we have this opportunity, regardless of which avenue you're doing it on Sunday, be thankful to God that we get to uplift and glorify God. Again, I'll see you all in two weeks and to God be the glory. Savior.